Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In his homily number 16 on the Gospel of Matthew, John Chrysostom is going to first discuss these three precepts that are given about anger one after another. And then he's going to tell his readers and listeners, neither does he, meaning Christ, stop at those precepts only which have been mentioned, but adds also others more than these, whereby he signifies how much account he makes thereof. So after having been threatened by the council, the judgment and hell, he added other sayings again in harmony with the former saying. And so here's the first and the main one that he discusses. If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember your brother has anything against you, leave your gift before the altar and go away. First be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift. So it's saying interrupt your religious duties, your religious service, whatever it is that you've committed yourself to and prioritize instead reconciliation with, and it doesn't have to be your brother, it could be your sister, it could be whoever it is that has something against you or perhaps that you have against them. So the injunction here, the imperative, is to prioritize reconciliation. And Chrysostom says, Oh goodness, oh exceeding love to human beings. He, Christ, God, makes no account of the honor due himself, right? So what is he, Christ, prioritizing? The reconciliation that is going to be taking place, he says, he makes no account of the honor due to himself for the sake of our love towards our neighbor, implying that not all from any enmity nor out of any desire to punish had he uttered these former threatenings, but out of very tender affection. What can be milder than these sayings? Let my service be interrupted that your love may continue, since this is also a sacrifice. And here we might pause for a minute. So if you've got a beef with somebody, it's already a sacrifice to follow this imperative, to live according to this rule, and to try to see if you can work out some kind of reconciliation. Now, it, it, it doesn't say that the reconciliation attempt is automatically going to be successful or anything like that. It just tells you this is what you're supposed to do. So the service is supposed to be interrupted. Reconciliation is supposed to be attempted, at least. And he says, for this cause, he said, not after the offering or before the offering, but while the very gift lies there, while the sacrifice is already beginning, he sends you out of it to be reconciled to your brother and neither after removing that which lies before us nor before presenting the gift, but while it is in the midst, he tells you to go do that. And then Chrysostom says, well, why? What is the motivation here? What is the point? What is the purpose? What is the end? And he says, that there's two reasons. One of them is that his will is to point out that he highly values charity, right? Or in the Greek, agape, love. This is the thing that should be focused upon. And that's why you should be 
reconciling rather than just bringing whatever sacrifice you have, whatever service you're supposed to be engaged in. And then he says, there's a second point to this. He's imposing a necessity of reconciliation. And he says, such a necessity of reconciliation as admits of no excuse. Whoever's been charged not to offer before he be reconciled will hasten if not for love of his neighbor, which is what you ought to have, but so that the gift won't lie unconsecrated to run onto them who's been grieved and do away with the enmity or hatred, the lack or the opposition to charity or love, right? So those are the motives for this that Chrysostom is discerning. And he's got some really interesting speculations here. He says, who is this actually being directed to? Is it the person who's the wrongdoer who's being sent to be reconciled with the person who they have done wrong to, who is suffering because of that? Or is he talking to the sufferer, the one who wrong has been done to and saying, go and be reconciled with the person who did you wrong? He says, well, we could actually look at it both of these ways. He says, In this place, he's sending the wrongdoer to the sufferer. In his prayer, he leads the sufferer to the wrongdoer and reconciles them. What prayer is he talking about? Well, the Our Father, right? Forgive people their debts. So here, if he has something against you, go the way on to him. And then he says, rather, even here too, he seems to me to be sending the injured person. And for some reason, he said not reconcile thyself to your brother, but be thou reconciled. And while the saying seems to pertain to the aggressor, the whole of it really pertains to him that is aggrieved. And so, you know, which is it? It could be either. You could put it into contemporary parlance saying, if you got a beef, if you've got a conflict, if there's something between you and another person, and maybe it has to do with somebody who's close to you, somebody who you should, in fact, already be reconciled with. Okay, stop what you're doing. If you're in the choir, stop singing. If you're about to put something into the collection plate, that, hold on. If you're bringing up in a, a church the bread and the wine for consecration, whoop, hold on there, buddy. You need to go and and fix what has been damaged, what has gone wrong. Whether you are the wrongdoer or the sufferer, or maybe a little bit of both, right? Because maybe it's an ongoing sort of thing. He points out another very interesting facet to this as well. He says, and Christ said not, when you have suffered any of the greater wrongs, then be reconciled. But though it be some trifle that he has against you. So it it could be a big thing. It could be a small thing. We're not supposed to say, oh, you know, only the big things matter. Let the small things slide. I'll maybe we'll, you know, have 10 of those and go reconcile about that after you add them up. No, it's just any sort of thing that you have against somebody else. He also says, whether justly or unjustly, he doesn't worry about that, merely if your brother has something against you. And he says, though it be justly, not even in that case, should you protract the enmity, the hatred. Even if you have something just against them, you're not supposed to just hold on to it and hold it over them and refuse to be reconciled or forgive. 
And so, you know, this is a very interesting set of non-qualifications, you might say, that he is bringing about. And he tells us, you know, going back to the injunction about don't call your brother a fool, otherwise you'll be liable to hellfire. He says, to forbid our calling fool is a preventative of enmity, a preventative of hatred, right? But what if you already do hate them? What if you already lack love? He says to command reconciliation is a means of removing the diseases that take root in us that arise because of that enmity and hatred. And he says, mark how both commands are set forth with earnestness. In the former case, he threatened hell. Here, he receives not the gift before the reconciliation, indicating displeasure. God doesn't want the gift that we would otherwise bring so long as we're not reconciled with our brother or, you know, close family members or neighbors or pick whatever you would like there. So this is a, a very important facet of it. He also does talk about another verse that follows, agree with your adversary quickly while you're in the way with them, you know, urging a sort of sense of time. Don't let it go to a law court because then you're actually going to pay, right? fix these things right away. So there's a timeliness, you could say, that is connected with this. And of course, he's going to bring up, you know, Paul's injunction, before the sun sets, do away with the anger or the hatred. And then he says, well, this is very much like before the offering is completed, be reconciled or quickly while you're in the way with the person before you come to the doors of the law court, figure out how you're going to come to agreement. And so these are all, you could say, other injunctions that are showing, according to John Chrysostom, how we ought to behave in relation to those with whom we've found ourselves in some sort of conflict. And he concludes near the end, let us be obedient to his sayings. Let us not oppose ourselves nor be contentious. For first of all, even antecedently to their rewards, these injunctions have their pleasure and profit in themselves. And if to the most part they seem to be burdensome and the trouble which they cause great, have it in your mind that you're doing it for Christ's sake and the pain will be pleasant. So, you know, we can look at this as this is the way to really offer something to Christ, namely the love that we should be feeling in relation to other people, our neighbors, or in this case, our brothers and sisters, right? So reconciliation is really something central, and it is supposed to be there in place of hatred or anger. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.